Welcome. This week we're interviewing Catherine Elliott. Not only is Catherine a consumer advocate for breast cancer awareness, but she is an alcohol mindset coach. Welcome, Catherine, and thanks for joining us this week. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm really, really, really excited to be here. We're really excited to hear um, what you've been up to and what you're doing. So I would love to start with that very question. Take us through what you've been up to and what you're doing in the space of making a difference. What a big question this is. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's been a, a huge, I guess a huge three, just about three years for me. Um, I, in July 2019, I made a big decision about, you know, my relationship with alcohol and decided to take an extended break from drinking. I'd sort of, I think, realised that I had for many years um, had a very challenging relationship with alcohol. I'd been what I would call a binge drinker since I was a teenager and it had, over time, it had become a real problem for me particularly just aligning to the values that I had as a person and the person I really wanted to be. So that was a big change that I made in July. Uh, And then literally, I guess, six weeks into making that decision, I found a huge lump in my right breast whilst I was getting ready for work. It was a busy day, a normal day, just an ordinary day. And sometimes an ordinary day can turn into a day that you never forget in your life. And that's what the 21st of August 2019 was for me. A day that started off as most other days do. I was, you know, came in from the gym. My kids were getting uh, ready for school, eating their breakfast. My husband was downstairs. And I, you know, I, I in fact even remember just sort of noticing that things were kind of calm that morning. You know, there wasn't a lot of fighting going on. Everyone was doing what they should be doing and I have this sort of feeling of yeah you know what today's not a bad day it's a good one um rushed upstairs to work and I rushed upstairs to have a shower because I was running late for work um ironically I was working on a, a campaign for women's health week so I ran up the stairs I was like I've got to get into work to uh get started on it and yeah so I ran into the shower and I could sort of feel that I was, you know, had that stress sort of heart where you're like busy, busy. I was like, come on, just slow down, let the water come onto you. And um, it was then in the shower that I had this kind of moment, this download that just said, slow down, go out and just have a look at your body in the mirror. I just got this new floor to wall mirror. um, And so I did. And that was really a life changing moment for me. Um, as soon as I looked into the mirror, my eyes went straight to my right breast because I could see that there was like a, it was raised. It was a bit, there was something there. And I remember putting my hands to it and yeah, my heart, my body, I just felt this full shiver, this complete, like I knew something was really serious at that point. And I'm not someone to jump to the negative, but I knew instinctually I knew that this big lump that I'd found would probably be something you know I thought it was breast cancer and so a couple of days later I did have a diagnosis of of um you know aggressive breast cancer it hadn't spread to my lymph nodes which was really 
great news to get. I mean, it's funny, you know, a week late, a week earlier, a diagnosis of breast cancer was going, you know, would have felt so shocking. But then once you go through the initial diagnosis, you are then quite relieved to hear that you don't have cancer in other areas of your body and that it hasn't spread. So I remember getting the call from the oncologist late at night um, to tell me that, you know, everything else was clear. And I remember that feel, I like burst into tears with absolute relief. And I thought, oh my gosh, at least I only have to deal with breast cancer. It hasn't spread anywhere. Interestingly, you know, when you get a cancer, you hear those words, you have cancer. You know, you kind of go to a place where you think potentially my life might be cut short. I don't think I'd ever really been to that place before. And so there are a lot of confronting confronting thoughts that come up, not only for you, but also for your family. And so then I went through, yeah, six months of, you know, intense chemotherapy treatment before some surgery, radiation therapy, and also some targeted therapy as well. So it was a huge, huge time in my life but early on I really I guess thought to myself I can either see this as a process to really learn and grow from and change and transform my life or I can yeah choose to be a victim and why me and you know looking back it's nearly three years since the diagnosis looking back it, it has been absolutely transformational both the decision to change my relationship with alcohol and the breast cancer diagnosis that came within six weeks of one another little did I know how much those two things would come together transform my life through the lived experience of both and now I'm working in a career and also doing a whole lot of advocacy work that crosses both areas and I couldn't you know, I couldn't feel more on purpose now. I feel like this lived experience that I've had has given me the drive, the passion, the connection to myself, the the connection to life and being actively engaged in life uh, and not wanting to waste a minute of what this life right now here on earth is for me um, became really huge and I, I, I still feel that even, you know, three years on and I don't have breast cancer and my prognosis is extremely you no know, good, I got fantastic results, I still feel that living is such a privilege that sometimes we take for granted and I don't do that anymore. And so I now take action in my life that I wouldn't have taken before. So you know, I I now work in, you know, advocate, advocacy areas in both the alcohol space where I, I'm really trying to shine a light on the connection between alcohol consumption and increased breast cancer risk and also highlighting the fact that you don't have to be labelled as an alcoholic uh, or to hit a rock bottom to have a problem with drinking and that binge drinking is an unhealthy way of drinking and that in Australian culture we have really, I guess, grown up thinking that binge drinking is actually normal and a lot of us really, really struggle with it. So I tell my story publicly 
so that people can see some of themselves and realize that, you know what, if you do have a problem and you're not happy, there is another way. And um, I've just um, got onto the consumer advisory board with Hello Sunday Morning. So I'm really excited about the work that I can do there as well. And um, I've also, you know, reached out to the Federation for Alcohol Research and Education, and I'm working on a campaign with them about lived experience with alcohol and what that can look like and highlighting my story as a as a binge drinker, as a functioning, highly functioning binge drinker. An alcohol problem doesn't have to define who you are, but you also don't have to sit in shame and question and worry about, you know, what is wrong with me because alcohol is such an addictive substance and binge drinkers actually are addicted to alcohol. It's just in a different type of way. It's in a a more social environment, environmental context. So when you go out and you're used to drinking a lot, as soon as you're in those environments where you start drinking and start to drink a lot, your brain and body start to crave, you know, a lot of alcohol at one time. And that's why a lot of binge drinkers don't have an off switch you know, end up being really messy at the end of the night despite not wanting to be because of this kind of, you know, it's just, it's habitual. It's been created over time. And I I was definitely one of those, one of those drinkers. And yeah, so these are the, you know, these are the areas that that I'm working in. Um, I also do quite a lot of work with the Breast Cancer Network of Australia as well. So that's, um, you know, an area I'm really passionate about about um, I've developed a range of products called My Breast Friend Body Lotions and Body Washes, which uh, have really been developed. Like the idea came from when I was in the chemo chair, actually. I guess a part of me realised that I had not been checking in with my body enough. I hadn't been stopping and slowing down. And so I wanted to create some products that you could have in your bathroom as part of your normal routine that would remind you to check in with your body in the shower, um, in the bathroom and make, you know, breast checks a part of your regular routine. So I've got instructions on the back of the um, products that basically say that, take the time to pause and breathe, you know, a shower, but the bathroom is a good place for that. And, um, you know, check in with your body. And I just give, you know, some very basic instructions on how to self-check. Uh, and that we are our best kind of advocates for our body and that if we don't stop and check in with our bodies, that we really are completely out of touch. And so that's the message behind those products. And, um, you know, a a donation from every product I sell goes back to the BCNA. So I'm really hopeful that as time goes by that those products will eventually enable me to uh, create my own charity where I can, you know, maybe invest some money into some more science into the, you know, the links between alcohol consumption and breast cancer because I would love, you know, I would love to see some more Australian research done in this area. Wow, Catherine, thank you so much for sharing that powerful, powerful journey um, and all the amazing things that you're doing. Um, I love how you were saying, um, talking about this idea of not wanting to waste a minute and how that really inspires you to take action. Um, Can you tell us a little bit more about the moment uh, when you kind of decided to turn this personal experience into something that was going to help others and what that looked like? 
Yes. So that came early on just after I was diagnosed, to be honest. I started documenting my my experience through treatment. I just had this sort of instinctual feeling that I was going to use this experience to do something greater than just for myself. And it wasn't necessarily that I knew exactly what that was, but I felt like I could turn the experience of, you know, of trauma and breast cancer and start to ask questions about, you know, myself and my life and share this personal story to do something in both the alcohol space and the breast cancer space. And it was interesting early on in my diagnosis, I guess I did question, I thought, you know, the glaring factor that was there for me and and it had come up for me in the past was this binge drinking and i thought to myself i really don't know much about drinking and the links between drinking and and breast cancer and i couldn't find a lot but i did start to do my own research and once i realized that there was this direct link and that a lot of women didn't know about it in australia and this is really just anecdotally through the discussions that I had, I thought there's a real area here for me to step into because I am a former binge drinker and I've experienced breast cancer and I'm prepared to actually talk about it because part of this is also having to step into a situation where you're sharing things about yourself that may you know for some people they can be um you know they can feel embarrassing they can feel um very vulnerable you can feel exposed and so I guess I also really committed to the fact that I needed to step into that you know that vulnerable part of myself and and share that because I believe wholeheartedly that when we share you know deep stories of human kind of connection and vulnerability and what's really going on under the surface that's where the connection is and so I made a commitment to myself that that was what I wanted to do and I was going to take action every day to do that and so this doesn't just happen. You have to make it happen yourself. So, you know, I contacted the CEO at Hello Sunday Morning. I don't, I didn't know him, but I reached out to him and said, this is me, this is my story. I would love to be able to share what has happened with, with me. And he said, you have a story. We would love, I'd love to interview you on our Google Hangouts. And so that was the first time I really publicly came out and spoke about my drinking but, you know, if I hadn't contacted Andy, it wouldn't have happened. And this is, you know, this is what I've been doing for the last three years. You know, I've been contacting people to to take action in my life because what I realised is that in the past I think I'd been a bit more of a passenger. You know, I've had a very privileged life and I think sometimes you think things will just come. But what I've realised is you have to create and so I feel like I have a lot more control in the creation of my life and how I choose to lead it and what I choose to do. And I now know that through the last three years because when I got the, you know, the call from the Federation for Alcohol Research and Education to say they wanted to feature me in their lived experiences campaign, 
I actually burst into tears because I made that happen. I created it because I had the vision to start, you know, way back when when I felt a bit nervous about contacting someone there, I took the step forward and I did. In the past, I probably wouldn't have had that belief in myself, but I think the experience of, of breast cancer and also taking alcohol out of my life, I have so much more clarity creativity and belief in what I can do um, as a person and so I don't really care if people say no anymore it doesn't matter what's the worst thing that can happen you know Um, and they do sometimes sometimes it's not the right time but I also very much I think tap a lot more into kind of you know my intuition about whether something feels good and is the right action to take and I don't put it through my mind too much and say, oh, da, da, you know, like if it feels right, just just do it, just reach out and make contact. And I found that to be a really, it's been a different way of operating than the one that I would have used, I would have operated in before I'd had, had cancer, which would have been to really, you know, run through things through the mind and the ego rather than just going from the gut. Yeah, it sounds like you are a very intuitive person. There's so many moments you're describing where that intuition has really led you. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, don't, I don't think I was listening to that as much before. I was, I, I think I was a little scared of what it, where it may lead me. And it's really funny, as a young girl, you know, I, I think if I think back to when I was about eight years old, I had this, I had this real belief in myself when I was eight that I was going to do something special in my life. And then I really lost sight of it. I think when I was a teenager, when I started drinking, um, when I started, you know, started focusing on, I don't know, just life became a lot more about kind of, I guess, superficial type things. And it almost feels like the last three years I've, I've really come back to to really respecting, you know, myself and knowing that I, I am here to do some pretty um, important work and things and that the breast cancer experience is is all part of that as is me you know binge drinking for 30 years and then deciding that I'm going to stop and I'm going to um, talk about it and I'm going to go into alcohol coaching I'm going to specialize in this niche area which I you know really see uh, a big gap for you know there are a lot of people in even in corporate life who really you know they're, they're functioning highly functioning, but they have, you know, very problematic issues with drinking um, in lots of industries. So, you know, it kind of feels like the, the tip of the iceberg as well for me. I um, really love your story, Catherine, um, because it mirrors a lot of my story and I've been exploring my relationship with alcohol for a very long time. It was probably startly, partly triggered to by a cancer episode, um, 10, 10, 13 years ago but it really I too became aware that there was a link between breast cancer particularly and drinking which I was totally unaware of and that did sort of frighten me because I realized that I had an unhealthy relationship with alcohol but what I found which is it's just I can't tell you how great it is to hear you share share the same insight is that it is a big gap in the market that when you are highly functioning and you have a good job and, and you've got a good family and, and you haven't 
you haven't lost relationships and you haven't lost jobs and you haven't lost family um, or friendships as a result of your drinking, there's a part of you that questions whether you're making a mountain out of a molehill and whether you, you actually do have a problem because I'm not the alcoholic in adverters commas that we think of um, when we when we talk about alcohol. And I think to to understand that if your drinking isn't serving you and you know problems with alcohol can come in so many different ways that we we are only beginning to sort of explore and understand and I remember I searched online and I was looking for stuff and I felt very alone and very challenged by this journey that I was on that I knew something wasn't right and I think too when you're a drinker you hang around with other drinkers a little bit and they normalise the behaviour um, or, you know, in the past when, you, when you've had friendships that um, it normalises the behaviour as well and, and, and makes you question whether you really are making a man out of a molehill. Um, so I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. I mean, I want to talk about everything that you said today already because it's so interesting to me, but a little bit more about the journey to becoming a, an alcohol mindset coach and, and what that actually means and, and how, how you found yourself in this place because I, I imagine when you first gave up it wasn't your intention to um, and you hadn't sort of didn't have any skills in that space. Can you share a little bit about that with us? Yeah, yeah, sure. And I guess, you know, my relationship with alcohol has been, you know, really, was really up and down. It was confusing. It was sometimes it was okay sometimes it was really worrying me other times I tried to normalize it as well and all of what you said really rings true for me as well and I think you know that's the confusing thing as well that you know a big night um, recovering the next day all of these concepts were just what people did and so when you're sitting there yourself worrying if your behaviour or your type of drinking is is a problem, it's really hard when you don't feel like you've really got anyone to talk to. And I think particularly as binge drinkers, it's even harder because we're not physically dependent on alcohol daily and we don't identify with traditional forms of, I guess, help or treatment, you know, rehab or AA, it just isn't, it's not the right fit. And so you kind of think to yourself, I don't really know where to go or what to do or how do I need help or should I just be able to use willpower and stop myself from drinking too much, all of these questions. Oh, that old chestnut, willpower. Yeah, that old <laughs> chestnut, exactly. So it, um, and I guess for me, I had all of these thoughts and, and questions going on in my brain for a long period of time. But also I think as a person, you change as you grow older, you start to question, you know, all different aspects of your life and just life experience as well. And, and for me, I, you know, at the age of, I guess, 40, my husband and I went through a really difficult period financially in our lives where we, you know, we lost a lot of money, we're under a lot of stress. My binge drinking kind of increased at that point in time. But I also then sought to do some more, I guess, spiritual sort of growth work. And that's when I sort of started to open up my life to looking at other ways as well of, I, I guess, 
you know, alcohol for a lot of people is used to numb, to self-medicate, to avoid, to repress. Uh, and, you know, I, I had done that for 20 years, 30 years, e even though I see myself as quite an emotionally connected person and someone who talked about my emotions, I really hadn't learnt to feel them. I really hadn't, and I didn't realise this until I stopped drinking. <laughs> Once I stopped drinking, I was like, oh, my God, what, what's going on here? I'm feeling all this, you know, all the highs and lows of, you know, the emotional spectrum, which, you know, which is pretty amazing. And one of the, you know, one of the unexpected, unexpected things from my time away from drinking was the incredible joy and connection that I started to feel, not only with myself but with other people. And so the company, This Naked Mind, who I initially sort of connected with when I started the journey in July 2019, I did a, like, it's called the live alcohol experiment for 30 days and I connected in with the community. You know, a lot of them are American and from Europe and there are some Australians in the group but it really opened my eyes up to the fact that there were people all over the world who were who were struggling with alcohol who weren't alcoholics necessarily or had hit rock bottom there were lots of people in there who were you know binge drinkers like me who were really struggling who were blacking out who felt really distressed about it but didn't know what to do so as soon as that beautiful kind of world opens up where you don't feel alone and you're not focusing on the fact that it's your fault I just felt this huge sigh of relief and I got really connected into the community I really liked their methodology that they used which was very much around compassion not focusing on the behavior rather coming back that as a human we need to build ourselves up our self-belief we need to change the way we feel emotionally before we can change our behavior and that needs to come from you know positive emotion and self-belief and changing our knowledge around alcohol and how we use it and also just understanding how and why we've been using it and so I loved it I just got so engrossed in the whole kind of yeah, methodology, the material, the reading, the podcasts. And that's kind of what led me to become a, a coach. Uh, I had already done a health coaching qualification through the IIN in America, but I hadn't read, I had, I'd really sort of, I guess, done that more for my own interest. I, I hadn't found the particular niche that I really wanted, I, I guess. And so then this came up and I was like, I feel like an alcohol coach is, is my calling because not only did I love the methodology, the unique and incredible thing about having an alcohol coach who was trained in this naked mind is every coach has had their own lived experience of an alcohol problem. So they get, they get it. You know, they absolutely get it. And I think what I've noticed with, with clients is they they just don't feel judged they feel accepted they feel like you know where they're at and that's that's kind of a big part of the process is that you can be in conversation with someone you don't feel shame and you just feel supported for who you are uh, and so I loved that as well so yeah I trained you know I did you know really intensive sort of six-month training and certification 
program in was 2021, so the first half of 2021. And then I started my business, The Alcohol Mindset Coach, in July uh, 2021. And here we are, a year later. And um, it's it's been an incredible ride. I mean, I yeah, I, I'm so busy. I love my work. I'm, I also work now for this Naked Mind and do group, group coaching. I contract and do group coaching through their programs. And, um, yeah, I feel like I couldn't be doing something more perfect for, you know, my, my experience but also my professional experience having been in PR and marketing. It brings all of those skills together really well because I, I do like the kind of, you know, the talking side of, of communication as well. So I, I get to do a bit of that during coaching but I obviously try and make sure that my clients are doing more of the talking than I am. I've got to be a good listener. Um, and I absolutely love it. I don't think I could be doing anything um, that would make me happier than, than the coaching that I'm doing right now. I actually I totally read the book, This Naked Mind, and, and they were a big part of my journey to, to give up. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, no, so I, I totally know everything that you're talking about because I, I used to listen to the book. I'd go on bike rides and I would just listen to it over and over and over again because I, it was the first time that I felt like I had found a community that that I felt that I could be part of, you know, and that she was that what, what they were talking about really made sense to me and, and, and made me feel like I, there, there wasn't something wrong with me and that I, that I was right to be questioning my drinking and right to be on the journey to give up oh wow that's so great Kate you know I love hearing that because I've just become I think you know there's only there's less than you know I think there's probably about 10 of us who are certified this naked mind alcohol coaches in Australia and we've just set up our own um, kind of collective called the alcohol coaches Australia uh, and we're really trying to I guess promote that there is another option for support if you need support with your relationship with alcohol Um, because what I've found through my clients is that they have looked for and tried other levels of support generally through psychologists or drug and alcohol counsellors and have just found that they have not been able to really connect with them because they don't understand the type of drinker that they are they don't understand you know, they don't understand the feelings of what it feels like when you wake up and you can't remember what's happened and that you've blacked out and that, um, you know, you might have lost your phone. or And, you know, when that, when clients tell me this information, it, I'm just like, I, I get it. I remember that feeling. I know. It's okay. I've been there. Uh, Catherine, so you have these two areas in your work that you're very passionate about. Uh, there's the, the alcohol coaching and um, the breast cancer awareness. Um, in the day-to-day, how do you sort of manage your time and know what to prioritise and yeah, divide your time between these two areas? And, you know, it sounds like you're just doing so much. So I'm interested to know a bit more about your time management. Yes, it's a very good question. And I don't think my time management is great at the moment. My alcohol coaching is definitely taking up probably more time. And even when you're running your own business, you've got to work on your business as well. So, you know, I do things like podcast interviews and and media interviews and those sorts of things as well and write articles. And so that takes up some time too. Um, And I've just 
uh, entered into a partnership with the BCNA where they're going to be, you know, taking my products to some health professional visits that they're doing all around Australia, which is really exciting. So in answer to your question, time management, I, I don't sit down and specifically write down what I'm going to be doing every day, but I do make sure that I'm guided by, you know, what feels like the thing that I should be doing each day. And I make sure that I build in and I call it kind of, I guess, self-care always into my week. So today I went and had a massage um, on Friday, um, having lunch with a really close girlfriend. I work hard and sometimes I'll be working till late, but I also ensure that to be, I, I guess, to be in the best state of mind, I know how important it is for me to, you know, connect with uh, people who, you know, see me and support me in the best version of myself. And so that's the other thing that's really changed, I guess, um, since I've gone through the experience of the last three years is I'm very um, careful about who I choose to spend my time with now. A lot more I have boundaries around. We all have those periphery sort of friends who, you know, we're not sure how they make us feel or we just don't think they really support us. I just, they're, they're not in my life anymore. And I don't care. I don't care about it either. You know, I much prefer having quality friendships and quality people and less of them than having having to attend every, you know, school function and do everything. And I, I think previously, the previous version of myself tried to spread herself and do all of those sorts of things. And now I actually just do the things that I really generally want to do. And I think that again, means that I do enjoy my life a lot more too. I love that you've just drawn this connection between, I mean, we've spoken about self-care a lot in this podcast, but often it's something that we think of uh, that you do alone. And I love that you've just drawn this connection between self-care and actually that can be with other people and being with the people that uh, support you. And that's a form of self-care in itself. Yeah, absolutely. And this is, you know, this is the other thing about friendships and the energy and the time we spend with people. It's really important that we align ourselves with people who we feel supported and connected to and not just because we've been friends with someone for 20 years. You know, this is the other thing. We change um, and life changes and sometimes we let go of people who have been very special in our lives and that has been a part of my journey as well. I have a very old, very, very close friend who unfortunately our friendship really has struggled during the last probably couple of years. She was incredible during my experience of breast cancer, but um, in the last two years we really, it, it just we just haven't been able to find a way to really connect and come together. And, uh, you know, I... Uh, interestingly when I had my massage today I was talking to another girlfriend and I do find it really hard to let go of people because I'm a very loyal friend a loyal person but what I've learned is it, it, it's actually better to let go because you can then focus on you know I've had some really new beautiful friends come into my life in the last three years both through the breast cancer community and through the alcohol you know, sober coaching community. And it's really great. I never would have met those people otherwise. And um, it feels special to have developed connections with people in the in these communities that 
you know, five years ago, I didn't know that they were even going to be in my life. I just love everything you've said. And I think giving up alcohol is the first step, what was for me, of the ultimate act of self-love and self-care. Because I think from that place, come so many opportunities that you can't even see when you when you drink every day or when you're a binge drinker and I think what I'm the theme that I'm also hearing the transformation that's really happened for you over the last couple of years is this appreciation and this self-love this appreciation for yourself and that you're not going to compromise on who you're going to spend time with Um, and how you're going to look after yourself and who you're going to allow into your world. And I think a lot of people need to do that but really struggle because they don't want to hurt people's feelings or they don't want to be, you know, because it's, it's, it's easier to just go with what's always been than make some conscious decisions about people in our life that maybe aren't so relevant anymore. And that doesn't make them wrong. It just means that they're no longer relevant in your life. I mean, where did that come from? I mean, is there, is there a f- switch that you flicked or how did, because I think a lot of people really struggle with this concept and it's so important to prioritise and I think look after ourselves. Yeah, that's such a good question. And I, it's a complex question, but when I think about it and what comes to me right now is when you go through an experience of, kind of a life-threatening illness like cancer, you really come into this much more sacred relationship with yourself. I had to spend a lot of time on my own thinking about my life, what it meant, what I meant to people, the legacy that I wanted to leave, what was really important to me as a person. And I did a lot of thinking about this stuff. And even though I was surrounded by so much love and support, I was also very alone in this experience because I was the one who was thinking all the time about, you know, what what was my life going to look like or be like if I got through cancer and what commitments was I, you know, was I going to make to myself? And I guess that was where the magic and the beauty really, really came into, into play was this deep, deep, affinity and connection and love and respect for me and not being ashamed of that being really proud of that um, and being really honored to be with myself I guess and so in that you know in that container is really where that people pleaser really died I guess because what I realised was with drinking, there was so much people-pleasing involved with that as well. And that when you choose to step away from alcohol, it upsets people because you're doing something that is not what a lot of people are doing. You're kind of a trailblazer in, in a culture where most people are pushing alcohol down your throat. So when you stand up and say no, and you put your hand up and say you had a problem, and then there are lots of other people who go, oh my God, I'm drink like you I don't have a problem you know it ruffles feathers it does and so this is the other part of it I've had to stand in my own power and my own voice and my own messaging and be prepared that people won't like it and of course some people don't and that's okay because I know that I'm doing what I'm here to be doing and I've got a lot to say and I'm going to make 
a difference in the world. And so if I'm going to make a difference in the world, I don't care if a few people fall away um, because what has been the most incredible part of this process is the people who reach out to me both through the breast cancer community and, you know, the clients that I coach, but also people who just follow me and and about and hear about my, you know, my alcohol kind of stories and information. You know, the people who said, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. It's actually making a massive difference to my life. You know, I've got two clients this month in July who for 30 years they've drunk every day of their life. I've got these two clients, they have not drunk for 19 days and they are both beside themselves because they're so happy but also they are enjoying themselves it's not as hard as they thought it was going to be they you know we did all the work on the the emotional side beforehand but when I get those messages from them every morning like literally I I feel teary because I just you know they say you've changed my life I can't believe and and you know what I haven't they've changed their own lives I've just been there to help and facilitate them to do it but when you're having conversations like that with people you think you know I'm really glad that I'm really glad that I've done what I've done and and it hasn't always been easy you know it, it, it is there are difficult aspects of all of this but you know that's what's being human is all about you know it's not easy and that's what I say to even my clients when they're looking at their relationship with alcohol. You know, taking alcohol out out of your life doesn't make it perfect. Um, In fact, it can make it a little bit more uncomfortable because you actually have to face up to and deal with the emotional stuff that's going on and that you may not have addressed for a long period of time. But you know what? When you feel some of that joy and real connection, that feels absolutely amazing. So uh, I think that's what I... That's the part as well of not having alcohol in my life that's been really, really incredible is just the, you know, the spectrum of emotional feeling, you know, the capacity um, to connect in more with that is, yeah, is really fantastic. Yeah, look, I I agree with that 100%. You know, hands down the best decision I ever made was to stop drinking. But it, it has been challenging because I really used it as a crutch and as a numbing agent because my life was unworkable and how I was living my life was unworkable and it was the only way I could get through it. I didn't know it at the time. I just thought, you know, I was just going along living life like everyone else and it's only now that I have taken it away that I've had to change a lot of how I live life, you know, in terms of how long I stay out and how much I socialise and what how I choose to nourish myself and look after myself. Um, and that's been challenging because, you know, what you were saying before, how, how I used to connect with people was all over alcohol and I've had to recreate a lot of relationships and we do a lot more walking now. Catherine, you've, you've touched on the, some of the challenges you've encountered along the way, such as people not liking what you're doing and how you've overcome that and, and focused on your friendships. Can you tell us a bit more about any other challenges you've encountered on your new, your new career path and how you've risen above them? Yeah, look, I think starting your own business, you know, like a change of career, I'm turning 50 this year. Yeah, it, it's been confronting, it's been challenging. Um, I have had my own business in the past, but it's all, you know, particularly during COVID and, I mean, it was all really a bit of a whirlwind and there is a real pressure 
for me in having my own business, I think, well, two businesses really, um, and it has been challenging. It, you don't have, you know, your regular kind of income every every month uh, and there's a whole lot of work that you have to do on your business. And so that for me has been, you know, challenging but also exciting. And I guess the other part that has been challenging is, you know, there's still sometimes that voice that will come in and just question oh my gosh what have you done you know you've had a complete change a you know you've you had this job in PR and marketing and now you're working in a completely different area and what what have you actually done like is this a good thing for the family in terms of security you know all of these questions start to come up sometimes but overall I love the flexibility that I have I love the fact that you know I only really started a year ago and you know the business is is growing all the time and it's just take you know step by step day by day and I think you know the challenges I guess the biggest challenge post cancer and changing my relationship with alcohol is also just adjusting to it's a whole new version of who you are um, and that can feel a bit icky a bit weird you feel like you're sort of in your own skin but you're not and you're still adjusting to the new version of who you are. And so even, you know, last week, I had a really rough week. I cried a lot. I felt kind of angry. I felt a bit weird. And I think it was because it's coming up to, you know, three years since I was diagnosed. We've been through a really weird period in the world with COVID. And I think I just went, holy hell, what what's happened in my life in three years? It's pretty full on. And although there's so many good things, it's, it's also been really traumatic. You know, I had, my, I had three kids at home um, during COVID, homeschooling, and, you know, my, two of them really, really struggled. You know, when I was diagnosed with cancer, my husband really struggled with his mental health. We've had so much that we've been dealing with. Sometimes you've got to go, <sighs> got to breathe out and just, you know, realise that the th- past three years have really been quite extraordinary. They sure have. You're clearly a mentor to many people and obviously that's part of your business. Um, Do you have a mentor yourself or anyone that you can rely upon or you go to regularly to support you on your journey of entrepreneurship and and all the wonderful things that you're doing? So I've got in the coaching community, I have an amazing kind of group of Australian coaches who are all mentors to me and also Annie Grace from Miss Naked Mind and Scott and Hillary who are the head coaches there. So they are absolute mentors. All of them are mentors to me. I also have a group of women who I have been in a women's circle with here in um, Melbourne for seven years who are like their life mentors to me. Yeah, they literally are so supportive and loving and we share everything that, you know, we just share a lot of deep stuff. And so they've been incredibly supportive in terms of all of the change that has come through in my life in the past three years. And, um, you know, I guess from an entrepreneur point of view, I I, I don't necessarily have a mentor, but I do... I do have an, a really old friend of mine who he has been a really great support of mine and um, we talk a lot about business and 
he has often got lots of ideas. He's run his own successful recruitment consultancy. And so, yeah, I really, really, you know, appreciate his, his guidance and support as well. It's insane to me how similar our journeys are you know, and our experiences have been. And it's just so, I just am so excited that you're doing what you're doing as a result of it though. Listening to both of you speak, it just makes it clear to me how important it is to find people that can relate to your story. Um, And that's why what you're, you know, the career that you've chosen is just so important um, to so many people. Um, So Catherine, just to um, finish up, I mean, we've covered so much and we're so, it's just been so amazing to hear about everything you've had to say. But I just wanted to ask whether you had any advice or tips for people who might be experiencing um, the same things that you experienced a few years ago and um, what, what advice would you give to them? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, the first thing is if you are worried about your drinking, then, you know, you probably have a problem and that's nothing to be ashamed of. We, uh, I guess, for me, realising, you know, alcohol is a highly addictive substance. There are so many people who struggle with it. You're not alone and there's help out there. And um, I guess the sooner you, you know, step in and, and try and find some help and support, the better. Sitting in this situation uh, alone and feeling stuck um, really only just prolongs the, the emotional pain. And so, yeah, I would just say if, if you are feeling like you've listened to this and that you do have an issue with alcohol or binge drinking, then, um, you know, there is an incredible life <laughs> awaiting you on the other side. It is, and this is a thing, I never expected life to be more fun. And it really is. That was a big shock for me. And any resources that you'd like to share that we can put in our uh, podcast notes? So um, my website, which is thealcoholmindsetcoach.com, but I'll also um, give you a link to um, a Hello Sunday morning self-assessment tool that people can hop on and use to self-assess Um, And then it gives them a report, which is quite useful. And then the other link that I would love to give is Drink Less for Your Breasts, which is a, it's it's a US-based website, um, but there's some really fantastic information there on um, alcohol consumption and breast cancer. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for your time, Catherine. It's been such a pleasure listening to you. Thank you. I loved it, Kate and Julia. It was so beautiful talk to you both thanks again bye bye okay that was so amazing Kate so what were your key takeaways oh Jules so many takeaways obviously it was a fairly personal conversation for me Um, I think my number one was I really loved where she just didn't care about people saying no and she just learned to ask Um, And some people said yes and some people said no on her journey to, I guess, turn it into a business and to be more connected with the breast cancer industry and the alcohol industry Um, and just learning to not be afraid of people saying no, I think is a really great takeaway for people that want to make a difference. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I love that one. Yep. The second one, she just said, you know, a beautiful world opens up when you're not alone. And I just loved that. And I think, you know, sometimes when we're on this journey, it can be frightening because you feel like you're alone. And I think 
um, that's lovely to just remember that, that once you reach out and you find your community, that um, this beautiful world can open up. And the final one was when she made the powerful decision for to look after her own self-care, she said, the people pleaser in me died. And I just loved that because I think people pleasing is such a common a common occurrence, you know, because we, we care about the people around us and we want to look after them, but sometimes we do it at our own expense. And I think she's been through such a journey to get to a space where um, she's understood that uh, she needs to look after herself first and foremost, which I, I just love to be reminded of that. It was wonderful. What about you? Yeah. Well, no, just on that point, absolutely I agree. And I think there's really a connection between your two last points as well, um, this idea of, of looking after yourself and self-care and a form of that is really connecting with the people who support you, connecting with the right people who who give you energy and being quite uh, strict with that and making sure that you are yeah, surrounding yourself with the people that are really going to help you in pursuing your your path. So I really liked how she was quite firm with herself on that. And I really liked this idea of the clarity that she gained along her journey. Um, And as soon as she decided to not drink, that was a big factor as well in just giving her that clarity. And this, again, this theme of the importance of self-awareness to help her understand what she can, what she is capable of doing as a person and inspire her to pursue her um, journey. And also this idea of following her instincts and not letting fear stop her from um, using her experience and her feelings to do to do something greater um, and to share and to stop her from sharing her personal story and then my last one was throughout all of this Catherine didn't choose to be a victim she didn't waste a minute and she used her experience to inspire her to take action and to help others and I think that was pretty incredible yeah, I agree. And it's a great sort of full circle back to the whole idea of the podcast, which is how people are making a difference. And, and she's really has used her experience in such a wonderful way to make a difference and uh, take action. So yeah, it was a really great conversation. I loved it. Absolutely. I really, really appreciated speaking with Catherine. And I'm really looking forward to the next conversation that we have. Me too. As always, I really appreciate it, Kate. <laughs> See you next time. <laughs>